Hi, everyone. Welcome to Artifice episode 27. Uh, today, I want to just do something like slightly different and make a recommendation to you guys in this intro. Um, I heard recently that Joseph Gordon-Levitt just started a podcast and I was like, cool, definitely got to listen to that. Um, and I started listening to it and thought, you know what? This is a lot like my podcast. Uh, so I thought I would just tell you guys, if you're listening to Artifice and you like it, um, you'll probably also like Joseph Gordon-Levitt's new podcast. It's called Creative Processing. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Check out Creative Processing. I'm digging it. I binged it. I binged all the available episodes. Um, well, today is my episode with Clayton Vance. Uh, Clayton Vance is a practicing architect with his own small firm in the Park City, Utah area. He received his master's of architecture from the University of Notre Dame, where he studied, studied traditional architecture and urbanism. His passion is creating beautiful and timeless spaces. He started the timelesshomes.org website and podcast, where he hopes to take us all on a journey of discovery as to what makes cities and buildings truly timeless. And we talk about it a fair amount on this podcast. So I think you guys are going to like it. Okay, here comes Clayton. Sometimes art feels like magic, pure, visionary, and sometimes it's brought to you in part by focus groups and algorithms. And the makers of art are no different. We're creatives, sure, but we're also salespeople. We need imagination and imitation. We need deep, meaningful connections, but we also have to network. Yep, even if you're an introvert. And that's my point. Balancing vulnerability with veneer is tricky, and it's a struggle we don't often share. So let's share. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. Today's episode of Artifice is brought to you by Vocal Mist. Vocal Mist is an incredible tool for singers, actors, public speakers, teachers, team leaders, and anyone for whom vocal health is a daily necessity. The latest findings indicate that using a nebulizer with isotonic saline can actually help your vocal cords create sound with reduced pressure. Featuring a removable face mask and USB rechargeable lithium batteries, Vocal Mist is an accessible way of getting rid of dry mucus, alleviating allergies, and keeping your voice working easily at any time of day. Visit myvocalmist.com and use promo code ARTIFICE, that's all caps A-R-T-I-F-I-C-E, for $10 off your Vocal Mist bundle package today. You know, I just like, I find that our art professions can be so kind of like isolating and weird. Um, and so I just, I'm interested in talking to... You know, so, all kinds of artists. So isolating and weird. Aren't they? I mean, I well, I'm excited to talk to you because, you know, obviously, um, yeah, you can wear the headphones. Obviously, architecture is like an important type of art, an important medium. So I have mine like over here. Would that be easier for you? Yeah, I'm. Like let's get adjusted. My, all right. Yeah. yeah this will be good? cool. Now I, okay. And now I can just chillax here. And if you want to move, if you want to move yeah. yourself at any point, just move the mic. No, this will be good. Okay, I'm great. In a nice reclined, comfortable position. Yeah. Would you do you feel like you'd like it better if it was so you no, want to talk I'm, into like the front of it? Cool. Good. Okay. Good. I'm good. Yeah. So um so I'm I'm excited to talk to you because I mean, obviously architecture is art but it's also like a respected profession. 
<laughs> where like you probably don't get that thing that like all pretty much, I would say like all of the rest of us artists get that question of like what's your real job right do you know the, the sad part about that comment yeah is that oh, everything about it, it is sad <laughs> it, is that you didn't used to get that yeah a hundred years ago yeah that wouldn't have been oh so what's your real job yeah right because it was a respected profession right yeah yeah, so I'm so I'm interested to kind of like hear your take on like some of that stuff. Yeah. Um so normally what I like to do is just and you really I know it like I have a lot of practice <laughs> sitting is, in this chair and being comfy. Is, so This is great. You can it's, adjust as as yeah, need be. It's great. Um so I normally like to kind of go in three parts kind of like I have on this uh form yeah. on this it's not a form question list. Right. Um so I kind of like to talk about just like how you developed your creativity as a child, sort of like what was going on, what kind of other creative stuff were you doing, um, maybe besides what I assume is drawing. Um, uh, so let's let's start there. So um, it do, and it doesn't have to be like directly related or related at all to what you're doing now. But what were you like as a child? What kind of creative stuff were you doing? So, you know, back in back in my childhood. I just, I loved, I loved drawing. Yeah. I absolutely loved drawing. I, I couldn't get enough of it. I'd just stay up and draw. And I was, I remember in, in third grade, that's where it really took off is, is I brought a drawing to my, to my teacher and showed it to her. And, and it, I'd done it in my best um, perspective that I could do yeah. in colors and shadows and a sunset and all sorts. It was the desert scene. I, I, I don't know if I still have it somewhere, but I think I still have it somewhere. You probably do. Um, <laughs> But I remember, I remember that because I got s- lauded by my third yeah. grade teacher, and and I thought to myself, oh, I have a talent here. Yeah. And so I continued to develop that, um, and and it it's it's weird because I feel like my 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 drawing kind of peak was was probably eighth, ninth, tenth mm. grade in terms of like yeah. talent level. Sure. <laughs> because because I was. I was so focused at developing my skill mm. at the actual craft, even though I didn't have anyone really teaching me. What I was trying to do was figure out how do I replicate this yeah. this image yeah. that I'm seeing, and I was so meticulous about it that that the images came out pretty decent. Yeah, but but I didn't have any any skill, and that type of drawing was very different than architectural drawing. Yeah. Like, completely different. And so yeah. when I got to architecture school, you know, had to throw all that stuff a- sure. away. Um, and so I was never really like really really good, yeah. uh, but I was I was good. And I I remember when I got to college, I wanted to study art, and and my first class I got like a, a C or something, because because I, I wasn't an artist, sure. quote unquote, little air yeah. quotes artist about I didn't have enough so called individual creativity, or yeah. or honestly just oddities about me to to really oh, justify. Let's definitely talk about that. Yeah, to to, okay. to justify keeping me in the. Uh, program so I quit art and then uh, anyway I ended up here where I am well we'll 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 connect some of those dots I do want to go back a little bit though so you know in third grade you're what like nine yeah yeah Um, that's yeah that's what you are you're nine so you presumably you'd been drawing at home what kind of like feedback did you get from your your family you know my mom was always if we I mean, if we made a snowball that was halfway around, she'd be like, "Oh, that's the best snowball ever!" You know. So, yeah. so my so my mom was just always really complimentary. It, it meant 
something different and, and, to yeah. have like another adult. Yeah. To have someone else someone validate. Someone who doesn't love you. <laughs> right. To have someone else validate what I was doing yeah. was, was like, oh my gosh, I might actually have some sort of skill here. Yeah. So I heard you say, I mean, I think I understand what you're saying, which is like, you were thinking a lot about like, like, you know, how you're drawing and maybe less about like compositionally. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So maybe feeling like you're, you're interested in like executing the thing, but maybe like you are doing less like imaginative stuff. Is that right? Precisely. Um, did you feel like you were, you were, is, is there anything else we're missing? Like, were you being imaginative in like other ways? Yes. So, so, as being, so, so here's, yeah, here's the other component that, yeah. that, that ties the architecture and the art together Okay. is, is I could not get enough of playing with Legos. I like, mm. I, I just had a Lego set and just played, 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 played. And yeah. so I'd imagine these things. And so I, w- I would go out. And so I lived like in, in Colorado and New Mexico and, and, and Southern Utah yeah. in my early, in my early childhood. And so, and we never seemed to have like a totally finished backyard. And so yeah. there's a bunch of dirt. So I take a hose and I dig up dirt and my parents, I don't know why they let me, but they let me do this and make a total disaster of the backyard. And I'd make tunnels and streets and cars and I'd make villages. And so all these things came alive in my mind about creating, creating cities, creating yeah. things. And so this, so this, um, this creating of, of urban spaces mm. as it were, yeah. uh, was always a part of me since I was just so a little, little kid. And, and I just could not get enough of it. it. My brother does say something really, really funny because he says, yeah, we, me and Clayton, we'd play Legos together and his Legos were always doing something, but my Legos <laughs> never did anything. That's so funny. Where do you think that comes from? Um, I mean, that gets into, that gets into a whole giant, you know, theological discussion if you sure if if, if you get into that and i don't think we should but i mean i'm open um, to whatever (laughs) i mean the things that i'm interested in are so just like you know i tend to think like everyone is creative yes um and i'm so curious about like what are our kind of individual stories that lead us down like you know um a path in which we continue to create a lot as adults Um, I'm just curious about it. And like, for some people it has to do with like social things for some people it has to do with like religion. Right. Um, so, you know, I like whatever's important in your story is important. So, so, so for me, I, 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 I believe that we're, yes, we are all creative individuals because of our, our full divine potential. I, I, I do not, I, I do not believe that life ends here. I believe that it continues and, and, our, our, our end or end potential can is, is, is part of being a creative being for Mm. eternity as it were. And, and that influences, absolutely influences how, how I, um, approach the world, my world, my worldview in terms of who a person is. Yeah. And, and, and we are all creative beings and, and and that's what distinguishes us from other animals. Yeah, what, is that we have the ability to create out of nothing something. Yeah, do you have you have kids? I have three step kids. You have okay. You have three step kids. Yeah. Um. So I just was kind of wondering if you're around kids. So I I teach a lot of kids, and I certainly you know, I certainly see more creativity in some kids than others. And my yeah. assumption as a teacher and I don't have my own children. So, you know, the, the kids I work with in my profession are, are the kids I'm around. Um, but, uh, I assume that like, it's not that 
some kids are necessarily more creative than other kids, but some kids, I'm only, I'm just seeing it from some kids. Um, I'm assuming that like, you know, it's, uh, either they're, they're doing creative stuff, but not when they're around me mm-hmm. or they stopped being creative already, you know, and they're only eight years old. So I, I think I just, I want to ask you, first of all, like, I mean, do you think that there's kind of different levels of creativity kind of in how we come or like, what do you, what do you, you think? You know, it all, it, I, I think for me, it all depends on how you define creativity, right? Totally. And so, and so to, to me, uh, to be able to, to create and invent kind of new computer code for something like that to me is creative Sure. To And it's, or so it's not just art even objects. Just the way that you interact to, with people yeah. can be creative. Yeah, and and so and so the the, the spectrum and the and the breadth of what uh, of what being creative means mm-hmm. is um, is is pretty broad. But I in agree. terms of a, a straight up just art, um, if, if we if we just take it and narrow it down to the art category to include music, architecture, mm-hmm. and an actual fine art, um, or in literature, then. Then those particular talents, like, I mean, I can play the piano a little bit, but I have to practice. It is not something that just comes, but my sister was born with it. Mm -hmm. And by the time she was um, 12, she could play anything you put in front of her, any piece of classical, she could just sight read it. And you're like, where on earth did this talent come Mm -hmm. from? Holy cow. And so to me, there's, we're all creative beings, but the talent level or skill level that we, um, that we come with is it varies greatly and it intersects with different mediums and yes. different like personality traits. Yes. Yeah, and, and, so and, and so, so what I find like with architects, there are, there are some architects I, I look at, I'm like, man, my brain would have never come up with that. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Cow. I feel that way about music too. Yes. I'll hear something that someone else wrote and I'm like, well, I never would have made that choice. No, but <laughs> I'm glad you did. Yeah, and I'm like, but it's awesome. Yeah, I absolutely love what you did here. But yeah. but it's just that is I I could not have thought of yeah. that. And and so I I think both interest our um, our background, how we're raised, where we're raised, and and what sort of creative inputs are mm. are are embedded in us, uh, you know, right from the get go through kind of our socialization and growing up is, is, is a really important factor in understanding our kind of capabilities as a creative adult. Yeah. But, um, I do believe that there are the exceptional geniuses out yeah. there and, and in the architecture field, it's those guys who t- completely reinvented and created mm. a whole new style. Yeah. Like, like Frank Lloyd Wright. Yeah. What he did with architecture, yeah, that didn't exist. He took bits and pieces from mm. various aspects and different cultures and molded it in, in form and fashion in a way that you're like, oh my gosh, where, what on earth did you just do? Totally. And, and since then, no one's been able to replicate that. And that's, that's both the, the, um, kind of the, the, the merit and, and brilliance of what he did, but yeah. also the tragedy of what he did. Mm. What do you mean? Because what he did is he, he, if, if we take, for instance, like classical architecture, and what, let's talk Greco-Roman classical architecture, Doric, Ionic, Corinthian columns, that type of stuff. Cool. What yeah. happened over a hundred, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years was a development and evolution of a post and beam system with a, more or less a codification of arch, an architectural language that could mm-hmm. be cross-cultural and and um, be able to to be utilized and used in a way that the language of the architecture, the parts, the pieces, the capital, base, shaft, entablature, mm-hmm. cornice, blah, blah, blah. And you can look up all these terms if yeah. you want or go to my website and learn about it. And um, what that did is over time, it gave a language to architecture. Yeah. And so people could be poets they, within that sure, language. Sure. Whereas what, what Frank did 
is he more or less brand invented new language. It, yeah. Brand new language. Yeah. And no one spoke it except yeah. him and his few people. And so, mm-hmm. and, and, and so some of us, and, and I've tried to do some prairie stuff, man, it is, yeah. it's like, wow. So what was he doing with this? And how was he doing with, because, because we look at this, this idea of authenticity or something and, or being able to speak yeah. within the language of jazz, for sure. instance, I mean, I don't get jazz. Yeah. <laughs> because well, it it's is a language. So, I mean, you're, yeah. you're right. Yeah. And, and, and I think, Understanding um, art in in that type of context yeah. is is really helpful. I think so too. Yeah. Um. So so you're saying the tragedy is that he didn't teach enough people that language. Yeah. It's just it was never codified. Yeah. Right. And so it's yeah. not like here's why I'm making these design choices. Yeah. Here's I'm doing this because of this, and the proportions are this. This sure. is when you're when you're when you have a facade and this. Um, this window system, it needs to be here versus here. Right. And, and so then you get all of these, uh, you know, modern prairie knockoffs or other things that are just like, yeah, kind okay. Of, yeah. You know, a hundred years later, Frank Lloyd's right. Still, his stuff is still viable. It's still yeah. like, wow, this is aging with grace. This yeah. is getting better and better and better. And like, wow, this is fantastic. Whereas, yeah. you know, most everything else that you'd see or a, a modern prairie knockoff today would be like, yeah, it's in 20 years, it's still going to be out of fashion. Frank Lloyd Wright, kind of like a Renaissance man. Like he did a lot of kinds of art. Um, I, most, like, most, most architects, vir- virtually every architect, yeah. um, you know, prior until, uh, honestly, the, the real, um, division of labor within, uh, the yeah. industrial revolution and, and the forties and fifties and stuff, they were all incredibly talented in, yeah. in a broad spectrum of things. Yeah. I have this idea that Frank Lloyd Wright is like, I mean, he was hanging out with like all kinds of art people and maybe like saw himself in like, yeah. And most, and most uh, what I call star architects, the, yeah. the star architects, sure. they, 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 they see hang, themselves, they as see like, themselves as that and, yeah. and, and hang out in those groups. I mean, there's some other people, um, the H H Richardson, he created a whole new style, Richard Somian Romanesque. He went and studied at the Beaux-Arts Academy mm. in Paris in the 1800s, came back in like, yeah, forget classical. I'm going to use the classical training that I did and create a whole new thing. Yeah. And no one's been able to replicate that either. Well, that's, I think that speaks to this idea of like cross medium collaboration and just like, yeah. you know, they talk about like when you have two, uh, people who are kind of like on the fringes of their, uh, separate mediums, that type of collaboration is where you get like really new stuff. Um, yeah. so I think that kind of that yeah. speaks to that idea, which, you know, is also why I'm curious to talk to artists in all sorts of different mediums. Um, you know, just cause it kind of like, I think it, it sparks like all of our minds in kind of these different ways to see what we have in common, what's different. Um, yeah. So you were talking, we were kind of talking about how art is like language. Um, and I, I think that's a key thing to understand too, when you're, when you're thinking about this idea of like, you know, which children are prodigies, which like, I agree with you. Sometimes it happens, but it's so rare. So rare. And so most of the people who are great artists and great creatives, you know, in an, in or out of, art um you know it's not so much like oh this person is just great at this or this person is just great at this it's like this is the language that i grabbed onto and it's the language i learned um which i i like to think a lot about you know as a teacher and you know as i'm kind of working with parents of my students you know just being really mindful about like how we talk to children about like what they can do and what they can try um, do you have any other thoughts about yeah. that? So, uh, 
so I divide it up into a few different, because there's the skill part of it. Yeah. Then there's your talent part of it, and which is just, and, and so you, you develop your talent through the development of skill. Yeah. And then there's, and then there's the, the creative, the real creative part of yeah, it. Yeah. Like you can have great skills, but, but not kind of contribute anything. Yes. Of substance. Right. Of substance. Yeah. But there's. Or vice versa. Probably. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, 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 and the world is in need of those. Mm. Absolutely. Because, mm-hmm. because most of us fall in that realm. Mm-hmm. You know, most of us aren't these prodigy geniuses and, and, but most of us are creative. So we need to be part of that creative process and it will evolve and develop as we, as we have more inputs, creative inputs mm. and, yes. and, and evolve that. But, but most of us, um, who, who are pretty creative, it's like, I can, I can perfect my skill. Yeah. And so I can perfect, um, singing this particular style. Yeah. And this aria and opera, and I can be the best I can be at that. Yeah. And but I've taken someone else's work, and sure. I've put my own personal. I talk about this with yeah other musicians all the time. Yes. Yeah. And, and and okay, so you didn't create something new. It's like every single pop artist right now. None of them are creating anything new anyway. You know what I'm saying? It's it all the same. Yeah, how you see it, but it's all the same yeah. song most of the time. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I I know. I think you're. I think you're right. Like. I mean, maybe you were saying this a second ago, but I think it can feel a lot less vulnerable to focus on the skills. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because, because I find that a lot. Yeah. Because when you're focused on the skill, there's, there's something to critique. Exactly. And there's, and there's, there's rules of the game that you can participate in that you can actually evaluate. It's objective. It can be like better or worse. Like you can, you, you don't have to kind of confront that like terrible truth that like, you can have executed something so well and people might just not like it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's the worst. That is the yeah. worst. But you have to but 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 when you when you're ready to take it from the skill and then jump off that cliff, that's mm-hmm. when you're like, okay, now you've jumped into the realms of creativity and you're gonna see what sort of talent and you I actually think have. That's totally what I'm talking about because I see the same thing happen with children. Like it's like the child doesn't even get to cultivate that vulnerability because the parent is nervous for the child or the teachers are nervous for the child and it's easier for the adults in the room to focus on the measurable skills. Yeah. And that, which I think is kind of tragic. Yeah. And, 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 and for me, it was really, really good for me to get, because my so-called love language is words of affirmation. Mm. That's one of them. Same. Right. And yeah. and so it was really good to have a mother and, and people to be, yeah, you're good. You're good. But, but there wasn't that really good critical part until I got to my, my, my master's program of architecture mm. at Notre Dame. Cool. And then my very first professor there, his his critique, how he did critiques was was the best I've ever seen ever. Yeah, and and he would critique it in a way that you didn't know you were being critiqued, mm. but you would get better because yeah. rather than saying, "Man, that sucks," do it this way instead. Yeah. He likes, "Oh wow, that's very interesting." So wh- how did you choose that, or why yeah. did you t- make this design choice? And I explain it. He's like, "Well, why don't you look at this and this and see yeah. if that influences things, or what if what if we did this?" He do you would think spark that would... your curiosity yes. instead of he would? Sp- yeah. That's exactly what he'd do. Yeah. Spark the curiosity rather than a, 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 a just I a smattering and smashing so much. Yeah, I, and I've said it before on this podcast, but. You know, if my students, especially newer students like that I haven't worked with that long, will ask me like, well, was it good? I refuse. Like, I will not answer the question because it's like, it doesn't matter. That's not, I mean, we can talk about like whether you executed this, you know, if you're, how your technique is. Um, but if that's your, like the question you're obsessed with, like you're not getting anywhere, you know, like, so what do you think? How do you feel about it? Why were you making these decisions? How did you feel about like, 
you know, how well you executed like your vision uh-huh. um, and having it be less about like, is it good? Is it not good? Because it's, it's the wrong the, question. <laughs> the market will tell you if it's good or not good. Sure. That's, that, that, that's who or, determines it. Or the market will tell you that they hate it and you might still be like, I still I like it this. and I'm still going to go with it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, when I, when I was in grad school, it was like, I was, um, I had a roommate the whole, the whole time I was there, all three years, the same dude, he was a, he was a humanities, no, sociology major. And so we would have these discussions all the time because, because in architecture, there's this idea, like in the Renaissance time about this idea of perfection, what's architectural perfection. Yeah. And, and it's anyway, for another time, but I mean, Say whatever. I you guess want. that's what we're doing yeah. here. Is just saying whatever we want. Yeah. I, I the the problem is I'm gonna I I butcher the quote because it's from um, Alberti who wrote a treatise in the yeah. uh, 1500s and it had something to do with that you can't add to or take away without diminishing from the whole. Hmm. And so so it hmm. reaches this this level of, of of perfection. Anything more, anything less is yeah. is is no longer as perfect as it could be. And so we'd have these discussions it's like what's perfect, what's not perfect. And his his musical interests were so different than mine. I'm yeah. like, how on earth? Yeah. Can both of these things be? If there equ- was perfect, yeah, we would all agree. Equally good, exactly. Yeah, if there don't. was perfect, we'd and we don't. Yeah. And so and so we'd have these discussions all night long for for years. And 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 my and my thesis was was a study on is there is is there an objective beauty? And I think we have the same phone. Oh, sorry about that. I should have turned that on. Oh no, it's okay. Silent. So humans in 2019 oh, have phones. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and mine's <laughs> ringing off the hook all the time. So the really this the the analogy that we finally came to, or that, that made sense, that that finally made sense, and been was able to reconcile the discrepancies between everything that I liked, everything mm-hmm. that he liked, everything mm-hmm. that everyone else likes. Yeah, was was this and this idea of artistic perfection yeah. you can perfect a skill right. but in terms of like a genre or a language yeah. is english better than spanish is russian better yeah. than english is you know yeah. it's like who who cares yeah. that that isn't the point exactly. and and so you reach and and then is some poetry within a language better than other poetry? Right. And how do you how do you critique or judge these things? How do you begin to evaluate these? And who's supposed to set up the standards? Yeah. And I think it's a lot more difficult in some fields than it is other fields. Yeah. But but it's like it's like you, you go up this pyramid to this to this point that's actually not a point, but it's more or less this portal or mm-hmm. or something that just takes you to a whole new world once you reach a particular level of um, of coherence with kind of eternal principles of creation yeah. in terms of composition, order, hierarchy, and rhythm, all these things. Yeah. Once, once, once you're conforming to these in a, in a manner that, that is more or less in harmony with nature. Okay. Then yeah. the world opens up to an infinite variety within perfection. Yeah. Just an infinite variety. Yeah. And then, and then it's like, okay, in my, in my eternal kind of existence, as I continue to I'm done with this life and enter the next life and we keep going, it, it will be incumbent on me to begin to appreciate like and, 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 and really absorb all of the genres, you know, mm-hmm. all things that there are. And yeah. so, and so, for, I mean, for instance, if, if you don't like, if you don't like Bach, or you don't like handle. Yeah. It's like, man, um, maybe, 
maybe the problem's with you. <laughs> yeah, I think about, I have students sometimes that are like teenagers, you know, and I'll play them some like classic recording and they'll say, they they say this thing, I swear, like this is not something that would ever exit my mouth, but it's like a thing. They'll say like, I'm not against it. And yeah. I'm like, oh really? Like you're not against Mariah Carey? Like you're not against like Patti LaBelle? <laughs> like what a weird thing to say. But yeah, I think... Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's so hard. Like, it's not your responsibility to like everything, but I no, do think no. I do think it's our responsibility to be curious about everything. I think yeah, I feel I, pretty strongly about that. Y- y- yeah, but but for me, I I I go one level more in terms of okay, there's so much stuff out there. If I'm to be if I'm to be responsible to be curious about um, everything. Okay. There's too much to be curious about. Mm. What is, what are the actual kind of, um, the high points of culture throughout time? Yeah. What do you think? And, and th- I ought to be curious about that. And yeah. so, and so that's where you mean to it's be in kind of one of those like history. Yes. Like history will repeat itself if yeah, like that because, kind of because, because, because in the end, if we devolve our, um, artistically, mm. um, over the next hundred to 300 years, we're going to go back yeah. to the, to the Renaissance and the broke and that type of stuff musically and be like, okay, that actually was the best stuff after we've experimented with every other possible thing that there is out there. Yeah. Actually this stuff. Yeah. Was was actually pr- probably well, in, in terms of that stuff seems to be cyclical. Yes, it is cyclical, um, and and every generation. The irony is, every generation fights against the previous generation, and wants to do something different and I something think it's, new. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> I always feel like when I see people, um, you know, fighting against that type of an idea, like the older generations, like oh, we don't want anything new, and the younger generations, like oh, I don't want anything old. I just think like this is how it's always been like it's always been that we way ha- like it's evidence of like I, our kind of you know the will of our species to like yeah. struggle and yes poke holes in things it has always been that way yeah. the, the the difference with architecture um historically in that context is that the way cities were composed was was very tight and so yeah. you had walled cities right yeah. and so you existed within a within a cultural framework that over hundreds of years reinforced the exact same thing mm-hmm. and if you didn't participate within your your that cultural context during your life existence you would go out and get killed yeah. or be you, you know what i'm saying yeah, and so now there's kind of like this, There's less of a penalty there, for differentiating, yes, right? Yeah, and and so and so that's why in old stuff there's so much more consistency, mm. and and the other the other thing that's really important, particularly with art, when you go to Europe and stuff and just look at all the all the paintings and the murals and and um and everything, is that all of the stories, the narratives that were being told to everyone were all the same stories in right. in, in particular kind of regional culture, yeah. and so all the paintings would be about these stories about these right. you know Greco Roman gods yeah. and all this other stuff. Totally. Well, music was like that too. I mean, I yeah. think there was like, you know, this musician would have a patronage like in the court or yes. in the yes. church. Um, yeah, there just was like, there were fewer resources. And when people, when there's less communication, you know, like you don't have TV, you don't have yeah. like print, uh, you know, ideas are just not going to spread in right. the same 
in the same way. Right. So, yeah. Right. And, 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 and so there's, you know, that's, that's great in some ways and it's, and it's tragic in some ways, yeah. you know? And, and I think the great irony is, is, you know, where do we go vacation? We don't go vacation at Walmart. Yeah. We go, we, we go, go to these old we places. We go to these old places. Yeah. And so there's something about these old places inherent in the fundamental principles that made them that is, that we've lost. Mm. And, and without being able to recapture those on some sort of micro level in our own particular kind of cultural creative, um, organization, then I, I don't know how, um, I don't know, I don't know how you create that sort of timeless stuff again. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you don't. I mean, there's so much now that like things just like things are partly timeless because so many people care about them. You know, and right. nowadays, like, it, there's so much content. Yes. That, like, there's <laughs> not, like, there's there's very little that enough people care about for it to be timeless. Right. But back then, like, I I think probably a much higher percentage of things were timeless because there just were fewer things. Yeah, yeah, there absolutely. There was, like, a scarcity yes. of art, so. <laughs> you're, you're right. And, and there, the, well, I guess, not necessarily art, but there was a scarcity of language. Sure. And, and so, and so in, in, if we take it back to architecture in, in a European context or something like that. Sure. Um, so you have a, a vernacular, which is kind of your, your uh, um, layman's architecture. Mm. You're just standard person that everyone can afford. So when you go to Switzerland, there's a very specific basic yeah. architecture, yeah. which is, which is um, specific to that region. Yeah. You go to Germany in these old villages, there's right. very specific German. You go to the Cotswolds in England, there's something very specific there. Yeah. You go to Italy, something very specific there. And yeah. so each of these regions had their own specific um, building cultures that evolved over time. Right. Where it, what's, what's fascinating though, is there was a fight between um, Gothic and and classical architecture for hundreds of years and which one's appropriate, which yeah. one's better. Hmm. But both of those languages of architecture, the Gothic regrettably was never codified either because the secrets of how to do all of the Gothic architecture was contained within the Mason guilds. Mm. And when all that went away, the it wasn't, no one actually codified yeah. it like they did classical architecture. Interesting. And, and so classical architecture, both of them are absolutely stunning, right? Yeah. And, that one, the classical became more prevalent in a broader scope of the world. Yeah, because, because of it that, was communicated because it was communicated, and and it was and it's just beautiful. Yeah, it's like it's objectively beautiful, and here is why it's objectively beautiful. Yeah. So regardless of how you feel about it, it is objectively beautiful because it embodies certain principles yeah. of of design and composition. Yeah. In itself, these kind of like. You know, proportional like, things. Yeah, uh-huh. that's what I thought. And you were it's, about. it's just like music with chords. If you just go to the piano, and go, you know, yeah. with your whole elbow, everyone thinks that sucks. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone who thinks that's a good thing needs to. Well, I mean, you're right. Like a lot, I mean, there's a lot of theories about how like different kind of scales uh, and and types of music, because, you know, Western music, like the piano is based around like Western right. scales, right. where like there are other instruments in different parts of the world that are, are totally different. But, right. you know, something like this idea of like the octave yes. is universal because it's physics, it's, it's physical fi- acoustics. It's, it's mathematics. Yeah. And the eternal language among all cultures, 
among all design and everything is mathematics. Right. So and, I see what you're saying. And with it's that. geometry. Yeah. More importantly, more than math, it's geometry. Yeah. And proportion and 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 those relation geometric relationships. Right. There's I'm sorry, people, but you can't get around that. Yeah. That is where the buck stops, period, with all creation. Yeah. And and so the eternal language of design and creation is geometry. And mm-hmm. understanding proportional relationships in that sense would be more beneficial in understanding kind of your overall theory of of design. Mm-hmm. I think more than more than anything. Yeah. Because yeah, because in music you have your fifths, your thirds, your all this stuff. In architecture, your fifths, your th- and, yeah. But but now in architecture you don't. I mean, none of the houses in any new neighborhood that goes up today are proportioned that way because no one even thinks about it. No one draws yeah. a facade anymore mm. to try to even proportion them. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's interesting stuff. Okay, I do want to go back and uh, I want to talk about like a couple more things and kind of like your early, your early creative. So. Um, you met, you said that when you were going to go to college, you wanted to be an art major. So that makes me think that like, at least at this, at that point, you kind of were thinking of yourself as a, as a different kind of artist. And maybe you've kind of come full circle. Um, but I'd love to know, like, you know, before you had that art class in college where you felt like it wasn't that great, how were you feeling about art? Like, what were you doing? Um, just kind of in those kind of those teen years, like maybe before you decided to go to college. Yeah. I I just had an art class, you know, when I got into choir too and I'm like, man, I actually do like singing. You mean in high school? In high school. Yeah. 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 And so, and so it, it, it's weird when you grow up in a small little Roseburg, Oregon town, it's a lumber, a lumber town in in the middle of Oregon. I know of Roseburg actually. Yeah. So you were in Oregon at this point. Okay. Yeah. You grew up in like the Southwest and then moved up to Oregon for my high school years. Yeah. I, I find that, you know, when you're a teenager, there's so much like identity stuff going on. You're trying to kind of figure out like who, who am I? And you're thinking like, oh, I need to choose my profession soon. And I'm always curious about the teenager that thinks like, I'm going to major in music or I'm going to major in art. I just, I'm always curious about like, what is that? You have to have a solid core emotionally and, and right. self image in order to know I am going to do this. And here is why Yeah, you either have to be, it either has to be that or it, like you are not thinking about it. Yeah. Or you, yeah, you're I've, so oblivious. I've talk to people yeah. who are both like yeah. people who are just like, I don't know. I just like to draw. I wasn't thinking about it, you know, yeah. or just like, it's what my parents, t- you know, yeah. if you grow up, like if you, if someone choosing to major in music, whose parents are professional musicians, that's a very different choice. Yeah. Because you've seen it, you know what it looks like. Someone choosing to major in music who has no professional musicians in their family, that's something you got to really, yeah. it's kind of gutsy. Yeah, that is really gutsy. Because, yeah. because, because I my, my mom wasn't professional, but she was really, really good. My dad could have been professional if he wanted to be in terms in of in cello. No, okay. in ch- cello and violin is what my parents play. And the regrettable thing is because my, my, my relationship with my dad wasn't all that good growing up, I rebelled against the, the classical mm-hmm. music part of it. And so I didn't, I didn't become what I could have. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's, totally cool. It's just the path. And I, my, my path was a totally different path, but, but I have a cousin. Um, I don't know if you know, Kirk Richards down at the end of the Valley, but, but he's, he's an artist, really talented. And, and we were the same age growing up. I remember Mm. coming here and realizing, Oh my gosh, he's way better than me (laughs) (laughs) because I'd see his stuff that he drew my stuff. I drew him like, Oh my gosh, I thought I was good. I'm not. So what was that like for you thinking like, I'm going to major in art? Like just what was your, what was your mindset like? Or like, was that a difficult decision to make? I had no, you're so stupid when you're 18. Yeah. You are so 
clueless about life, what the actual real requirements of life are. What did you think? <laughs> like, what did, what did you, what were you kind of imagining at that point? I have no idea. I wanted to just paint landscapes. Um, what did, what uh, did that like mean to you? Like, I mean, did you, like, I know I'm like asking these abstract yeah, yeah, questions, yeah. but Keep did asking. it feel like, um, did it feel like romantic or like, what, what was it about? Like, was there yeah. something Do you enticing know what? about yeah, it? Yeah, there was. Well, I'll tell you the, the thing that actually, that, that, um, that sold me on it was when I was a junior, I was just thumbing through an art book. I know the National Gallery or the Gallery of Western Art. I was thumbing through a, a gallery book in the library yeah. at school. And and I came across a painting and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a painting of heaven. This is this is this You're is the ideal like thing. That kind of that, chasing that heightened thing. Yeah. And and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And and to me, I, I love that particular genre, which is the Hudson River School of Landscape Artists. Mm. And so this was an Albert Bierstadt painting that I had uh, that I'd come across. Yeah. And his and his use of clouds and drama and light and 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 mountains and everything. Yeah. I was like, wow, I want to paint that because that's where I want to exist. Yeah, it's like that. The is it like seeing that gave you like a feeling that yes. you thought like the only way I can get this is if I do this. Yeah. Kind of yeah. 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 No, that's that's exactly right. So I'd love to ask. Um, we and I. I still have a few more questions. I want to talk about these like formative years. But do you feel like you have that feeling now in what you're doing now? <laughs> Sorry for anyone who my clients who are listening right now or would listen to this. No. I mean, I, <laughs> because I, I what I do what I do as a profession now is I fulfill other people's dreams. I, my, yeah, I don't think yes. that this is a. I don't think it's bad to say no. I mean, I, like I said, I think, well, maybe I didn't say this right now. I've said it on the podcast before, but the art, the artist is such a mystique in our culture. And I do think our architects are a little bit like are perceived differently. We, we could talk about that more, but I think like people, you know, they like to imagine that you have all this meaning in your career. And I, <laughs> I, do, right. I do think that right. when you're young and you're kind of, entranced by the arts yeah before the world crushes you yeah i mean but when you're doing it as a profession Uh i think it's really hard to keep that oh it's so hard to find it other places so hard yeah absolutely and and so so even as yeah as an architect um you know when i when i meet with clients at the beginning i just i tell them you know my objective is i'm gonna bring to to the table my talents and my abilities which are pretty good yeah but in the end you're you're the patron yeah. and it is your it's your house your building your yeah. whatever and my goal is to help you realize yeah. your vision and yeah. if you don't have a vision i'm going to help you give you a vision and then that's what we're going to realize and yeah. so you're a and, producer yes I mean, that's yes. What, yeah. and so and so and so really i mean if if you're as an artist architect creative person it's like in order to yeah to make a living to yeah. actually be a part of society and earn money. And if you don't want to live in a van down by the river your whole life, yeah, you, you do have to be able to deliver products that people want yeah. and will pay for. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no getting around that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, the artists that I talk to that, that kind of get around that have like day job types of art. Yeah. And then like high cre- I mean, with architecture, I have to imagine it's just so expensive. Like you probably yeah. don't have an opportunity to like really realize your <laughs> I, dreams. No, because it's right. so big. No, and the, and the crazy thing is, then once you're married, 
Um, you still don't fulfill your dreams because you fulfill your wife's dreams. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's just how it goes. And so it's like, my dreams will never be fulfilled. And that's totally fine. And, and, and you kind of give up on that. And I don't want to say give up on that, but you, but you, adjust. But you adjust. That's yeah. exactly right. You shift your, your, your kind of creative ends and objectives. And it's like, okay, what, what still fulfills this particular need? Yeah. Um, and sure. so right now we're doing a detached garage in our backyard in order to, because our house isn't meeting our needs right now. And, yeah. and so, and so I'm, I'm doing something that is, is fulfilling that creative need yeah. for me personally. Yeah. And, and I love it. Yeah. Um, but it's stylistically, it's my wife's preference. Mm. And, and so, but, but I'm, and it looks just like fixer upper. <laughs> like the TV show, way better than Fixer okay. Upper. Way <laughs> better just, than I'm Fixer just, Upper. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> teasing because yeah. I because because women love that show. I know myself included. <laughs> I know, and 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 Joanna Gaines, I could I could whack her because she has she has created a problem for us so bad because now everyone wants a a, a white farmhouse, shiplap Ship white farmhouse. Thanks, Joanna, you jerk. It's like, come on. And and so honestly, I'm mean, one of the things that I'm trying to do right now in order not necessarily to compete with Joanna, but I I I there, there's there's a there's a thing that's missing in the architecture and and home design realm, and that is the educational aspect. Because mm-hmm. you have PBS, which is very educational, with this old house. Yeah. And then you have um HGTV, which is just entertainment, not yeah. really educational. Right. What we what we're missing is the why. Why do you why would you mm-hmm. design this way? And so I'm trying to actually create a podcast and series and education yeah. to, to be like, okay, here's what you actually go through in the creative field of of residential architecture. That's what I'm doing too. That's what this is. Yes. You know? Yes. <laughs> like because let's talk about what it actually what it, is. Yes. Because it's not what you think. No, I guarantee it's not what you think. Absolutely not. Yeah. And, and and Chip and Joanna have a they've done amazing wonderful things and have a great thing going. Um, but there's, but what that's not producing is, is our timeless neighborhoods. Yeah. It's, well, and, and we need, to, and, and there's the, the, it's so big. The subject yeah. is so vast that we need, there needs to be more voices actually talking. I about mean, that's what things. I was going to say. Like, I mean, it, th- that's not my profession, obviously, but I think, you know, they're just doing what they like. The problem is that like, everyone is listening and there's no, yeah. there's, it's not their problem. No, it's no. like our problem. Which yes. we, we're doing that in music. We're doing yep. that in visual art. We're yep. doing it in, you know, we're starting to have all the same movie and all the same yep. songs. Exactly. So I, exactly. It's, it's not, I don't, I don't blame that on any no, artist. No, no, I blame no. it on I. like this kind of these cultural y- yeah. uh, lack of curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. Is, yeah. It's and so and who controls the media soapbox. outlets and, and, ha- and access to these, to these other, this, what yeah. we're doing right now. And what, what is nice about, we're at the perfect age and, and just time yeah. in, in the world to be like, Hey people, there's, there's more out here yeah. that, that you can actually learn really good information from. Yeah. And, and it's not going to be as boring and we love Bob Ross, but it's going to be a little bit better than that. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, Okay. Yeah. Okay. So let's go back. I do want to talk about just like a little bit more of those kind of those crucial formative years. So, um, okay. When you went to Notre Dame for architecture, architecture, master of architecture, you, were you, did you go there for art and then switch majors or did you switch schools? No. So, so in terms of college, I, I became lost when I got kicked out, right? Not kicked out. I just didn't, well, where I did didn't you make go it. to college the first time. So I went, to, I went to Brigham Young University okay. and to study art and that was just like, bleh. that was, so it, I didn't, it didn't, it didn't happen. Right. It didn't work. And I thank God it did not work. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because that was not my path. I also went to BYU as a 18 year old for two semesters and was like, this is not the right place for yeah, me. Yeah, this is not happening. Um, so how long were you there before you switched schools? So so I, I just took a straight up break. I had no idea what to do. Okay. And so and so this is this is interesting. How did that feel? I mean, that's that's I, culturally like not super acceptable no, for no, young, no. I mean, young I mean, it, guys. It, I know. I it took me. You know, I wasn't married till I was thirty four, and and so I lived a long time as a single guy because what yeah. woman wants to marry a dude with no future? Well, and I, and I had. I mean, those all of these things you're saying are very like cultural norms. Yes. For, for this for, region, for LDS people, yeah, yeah, I think. for this yeah, particular so. region. Once you get out to the broader, for the broader spectrum, it's like it's that would be a, that it would have been a different be thing. Different, it would be yeah. very different. But in terms of of the culture in which I existed, it was like yeah. And so and so I I was like bag this place and <laughs> of all things, this is really important but really really weird. Um, I became a flight attendant. Okay. With yeah, actually, with American Airlines, I've interviewed three separate people who came, became flight attendants when they were in between figuring out what art they want to do. How so, weird! How absolutely weird is that? Yeah, I wonder so, if it's some kind of like I need I need more. to explore. I'm exploring. I need to explore. Yeah, it's that and that's ex- thing. it's that curiosity. I need to explore. And so I ended up living in Chicago. And okay. so I'd grown up in the Western United I mean, States in did, standard. That's kind of brave. Like, how did that feel moving to Chicago? You moved by yourself, and you were oh what? yeah. 19? No, 20? no, no. I was 20. I was 22 at this point. Still so young. Yeah. So I was still pretty young, but I was 22 and completely clueless and, and no clue what to do with life. And I'm like, okay, well let's just go do this for a while. And what I, what I did not know was the consequences of that choice because, mm-hmm. because all those times when I was a kid creating these cities out of mud mm-hmm. with my little uh, hot wheels driving around, I didn't understand that what I was doing was reinforcing in my subconscious mind what makes good urbanism mm. and what makes cool cities. And so I was imagining these things. And so you can imagine night after night, after night, after night, after night, you're in a different hotel in yeah. a different city yeah. and, and, and you don't have a car. Yeah. So you are bound by foot Yeah. and you begin to experience things as a pedestrian in a way. And this is before I was an architect. This is when I was 21. And I began to ask the question to myself subconsciously, why is this city awesome? Yeah. Why does this city suck? Yeah, you're doing research. <laughs> I was doing I was doing subconscious research, just starting to put this together. Like, man, this is I hate this. I mean, yeah. sorry everyone in LA, but man, most of LA sucks. I lived in LA well, for two years, and the West is so practical. Yes, it, it, rather. And, and I grew up in Arizona, which is even more of a grid than Utah is. Yeah, and uh, it's. It's very uninspiring. So, so, so the crazy thing about it is, is, is this so-called Jeffersonian grid that was made in the seventeen, whenever it was, um, to 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 really make um, a really nice grid pattern. Go back, go back to. Do you know what else is a grid? New Orleans is a grid. That's a freaking awesome thing. Mm-hmm. Savannah is a grid. Charleston mm-hmm. is mostly a grid. Alexandria, Virginia is a grid. And so it's not the problem. The problem That's isn't the, problem. the yeah. grid. What you put in those the problem squares. is the composition <laughs> yeah. of what uh, goes in the squares. Interesting, and so and 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 that's wh- when we talk about cookie cutter houses or cookie cutter neighborhoods. It's yeah. like the problem isn't necessarily cookie cutter; it's the cookie. Mm-hmm. Mm, I see. And and so yeah, like when you're talking about those Swiss houses, they're all the same. They're but all they're, the same, but they're 
but they're Swiss. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They are absolutely see beautiful. See what you're saying, yeah. And so, and so, w- what we don't know in today's world is how to articulate what is wrong or what we hate about what it is that we're experiencing. That's so real, man. And and that is is what what I've dedicated my life to. It's like my yeah, my day job is architect, and so I I make your dreams come true. But my my creative night job yeah. is I'm doing all this other stuff, writing blog posts oh, and podcasts, so, so yeah. I can get my voice out there to be like I I'm an I'm an interesting case. I'm not some highfalutin architect who thinks I'm the best thing on the planet. I come from standard suburban split level USA of 1970s, 80s and 90s houses. I've lived in those and that was the whole of my existence. My first semester in architecture school and my first um, um, project we, we had to hand, hand draw and watercolor our elevations of our building. And my elevation for my interior thing was so stupid that the professors were like, who is this guy and why did we get into the school? Well, <laughs> because all I knew was sheetrock. Yeah. It's like it's sheetrock. I didn't know yeah. what sort of moldings or anything else yeah. you could put on an inside. You just had no vocabulary for it. I had, I had no experience with it. Yeah. Like zero yeah. And because I had no experience with it and, and because as a flight attendant, I had, I had experiences with urban conditions and exteriors, yeah. but I still didn't have any experience with interiors. My experiences were still with Walmart yeah. and, and, and all of your you know, malls and other stuff, yeah. but, but it wasn't with like great houses, yeah. great traditional houses back East. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that is enormously problematic. And so, and so I come from a background that millions of us come from on this planet, yeah. millions of us. And, and, and I learned through a classical architecture training at the university of Notre Dame, how to, um, articulate what it was that was wrong. Yeah. And that's kind of my life quest. Okay, is I, de- to I definitely want to talk about that, but just like before, just right before, um, when you moved to Chicago, yeah. Did you get pushback or did you feel support from the people who you care about? You know about? what? I, I, I felt support. It, I, you know, my mom was obviously like, are you sure you want to go to what Chicago? Are you doing? No, but, but what's interesting, there's, there, there's a few handfuls, in my, a handful of times in my life, very, very few. And, and everyone, everyone can feel, especially a creative person feels this, whether you want to call it divine intervention or I just felt compelled inspiration, or inspiration yeah. or whatever it is, because inspiration is a really interesting thing, which we could talk about too. But, but there's, there's very few, I could count on like one hand where this has happened, where I felt like there was, there was a guiding hand saying, go do this. Yeah. I abs, I absolutely felt like that when I moved to Texas. Yes. And that's what happened with the flight attendant thing. Why? I mean, the stupidest thing, I got the weirdest looks from so many people. Yeah. And, and, and what I didn't know is that that I was going to learn life lessons yeah, you as a flight attendant. Yeah, instinct. Yeah. Or an inspiration or, or, ins- a, or, you know. Yeah, or whatever. But, but it was those, those two years as a flight attendant where I learned what it was that my life journey and my life yeah. path was supposed to be. Interesting. Yeah. I like to ask about these kinds of things because- you know, I mean, your individual experience, especially when you're young, you're so vulnerable. And I don't mean like emotionally vulnerable. I just mean like the time in your life is so kind of fragile when you're like 18, 19, 20. Right. Um, you, right. Just, you just have so few resources and you're so unsure. And when you as an individual have this kind of this thing, like whatever one you want to call it of like, I just feel like I should be doing this. But everyone in your life is like, no, no. You- that is very difficult. Yeah. So that's why I like to ask, you know, how go on that adventure. Yeah. Yeah. It's difficult. And, 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 and And not everybody 
takes it. You know, I think some of us do, which is again, why I like to ask like, what happened to you? What was it that let you? So um, I'm glad to hear that you were supported when you moved out there. And then how did you make the decision to go to Notre Dame? Like that, yeah. Okay, that's I mean, that, that's a good story. That's an interesting story if you're in and a of itself. Mormon kid, no, going that's to a, like a Catholic. Like yeah, how did that happen? No, that, that's a really good story. But 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 just just to tell everyone who's listening, it's like if if you feel that type of compelling thing, yeah. do it. Go yeah. on that adventure because you will grow more and become a stronger person because of that more than any other thing that you could possibly do. I right? Totally agree. But recognize and know that it could end up in complete tragedy, yeah. financial, spiritual, emotional, yeah. and that is fine. I I so <laughs> agree with you. Just pick yourself back up. I I fully agree with you. I wish more people would say that. And and furthermore, like we talk culturally in this country, like these years between eighteen and twenty five are it. Like you get this one shot to like set your life up, and it is not. Uh, it's yeah, it's not, not true. Right. Yeah, it's, it's not true. It's not supportive. It makes people make decisions that they're not really thinking about, and then they're dissatisfied later. We lose so many creatives. Yeah, I, it's weird. My wife, she comes from a family of just workers. It's like I don't care what you want to do with your life. You just work to earn money, you know. And so imagine me, a creative person, being married in this. Like yeah, in the, in this family, right? Yeah. And and so. And and so I have to balance that in, as yeah. as a married person. It's hard, now. yeah. And and so and so there there's this tug and pull. But if 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 you're single and it's just you, and all you have to look out for is you, yeah. My heavens, go take an and adventure. You don't need to be making decisions based on some hypothetical future family either. No, no, bag that. Yeah, yeah. Forget the I mean, forget that. It's like that. Yeah, it, when that comes, that'll come, and it'll come at the right time. I, and yes. and and if you try to force that before it's the right time, you are. You, Inevitably, we'll end up divorced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're gonna just you're gonna have a miserable life. Yeah, because there's gonna be so much what might have been in the yeah. back of your mind that yeah, it's that gonna be just a tragic. And yeah, yeah, and you'll start you resenting the person you married and your kids because it prevented you from doing whatever it was that you felt yeah. you were supposed to do. I I hardcore agree. Amen. So how did you end so, up in Notre Dame? At Notre Dame. So this is a really interesting story. So so eventually I I no longer a flight attendant. Came back trying to figure out okay now what to do with life. Um, Ended up at just a local university, Utah Valley, right? Okay, and and yeah. so studying there, had no idea what to study. And I was I was at Kinko's one time, and I saw this girl with a landscape plan. Um, and, th- and then I became a realtor. I was a terrible realtor. <laughs> I was terrible. And um, and then I, I saw this landscape plan that this girl was copying for one of her classes. And I'm like, what's that? Where did you do that? That looks awesome. I want to do that because one of the things yeah. that I always loved was nature. I loved plants. I loved, yeah. I loved nature. Well, I mean, you, you've been, you've talked about it a bunch of times. Like, I think it's clear that that's like a, yeah. a core principle for you. Yeah. And, and so, so when I saw, when I saw that, she's like, oh, I, I it's my landscape um, design program at, at BYU. I'm like, there's a landscape design program. Be Okay. I'll go do that. And so, to BYU. That's so, so I, funny. so I went back to BYU yeah. and I'm like, I'm like almost 30 now. Right. Yeah. And so I'm like, that, I'm feeling feel like so far, hard. so yeah. far behind in life. It's pathetic. It's so pathetic. I'm still You're not in far college. Behind, but again, it's like that, no, it's, it's that total, it's a totally Mormon thing. But, 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 but regardless of whatever culture you're a part of, man, it, it's this journey. It's yes. just part of this journey that yeah. you're on. I'm so into that kind of like radical acceptance idea of just like your, your stuff is what it is. Your family is who they are. Yeah. The place you're born is what it is. And you like take that and like, 
you know, but yeah, I, I it's so interesting. There, there, there are not cultural norms. We, we've, we've fabricated like in this particular Valley cultural norms that I, I just don't think are really accurate. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so, yeah. so then, so then I, I end up, so, so I end up at this program and so I was, I was like, okay, I need to apply to grad school to become a landscape architect. So you finished so I'm, your bachelor's degree? So I was almost finishing my bachelor's degree, and I had applied to landscape, landscape architecture programs okay. around the country. And, and then it was really interesting. Here's another one of those moments in life where the stars, everything aligned, and, yeah. and then it, the divine hand came in and yeah. said, here's a new path. Yeah. Because of the the manner of the landscape program, I had one weekend, one weekend, the entire semester where I was available to do anything other than school stuff. Mm. It so happened that that one weekend, my brother who was doing a, a, a master's of real estate development, Johns Hopkins out in Maryland, who lived out in Maryland and worked for a development company out there, he was doing a design charrette in Kanab, Utah, down in the middle of Podunk Nowhere. Random. And because he was doing a research project on it, because his wife's um, cousin's husband was the developer of this project. Okay. And so he went, to, he's going to use this as a kind of a new urbanist um, master plan community okay. development yeah. research project. Okay. So I go down there for this charrette because he like invites me. He's like, hey, why don't you just come down and see what it's all about? I'm like, yeah, that'd be cool. Sure. And so it's the only weekend I had available the entire semester. I go down and I'm standing there while he's talking with these other guys. And I'm like, hook me up, hook me up. And so I'm like, hey, can I participate? I will do anything you want me to do this whole weekend. And so I just volunteered and jumped in. Yeah. And so I talked to the the architectural render who was there mm -hmm. and also the the architect who was there. And, and, um, and just volunteered and just yeah. worked all night long with them, drawing stuff, tracing down house plants, all the, all this stuff yeah. for two days. And I got, and we got into some really good conversations and, and these conversations that weekend changed my life yeah. because I was talking to this architect, Brad Houston, and who's a recent Notre Dame graduate. Mm. And, um, I was telling him what I felt about architecture yeah. because the question I had in my landscape program was how come that wall, that garden wall from 500 years ago looks better than the garden wall that was put up 30 years ago? Mm. Yeah. Why? Yeah. And I was asking that question why. And so to me, the only way I could describe it was authenticity and fake, even yeah. though that isn't the ultimate. Mass produced or something. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Authenticity or fake. And so I was describing this and, and he, he said something to me. He's like, well, if that's what you really believe, there's only one place in this on this planet you can go to oh actually gosh. study that yeah. in terms of architecture. And that's University of Notre Dame yeah. because they teach classical and traditional architecture. Yeah. And that actually answers that question. There's no mm -hmm. other architecture program or modern art program that that's answers crazy. that question. Yeah. And so... I, I, it was, we're in December, right? Yeah. And, and applications are due. Like, like the next two weeks. Yeah. Within yeah. the next two weeks. Yeah. And so I, I rustled up something really quick and sent it in and I was on the wait list. So yeah. I was, I was the, the first altern alternate. So I didn't even get in. Ah. And, and, and then, and then I was looking at it. Now we're like in May yeah. and I have no idea what I'm doing with my future. And I'm like, where am I going? Where am I going? Where am I and going? You're, you're, you finished. You, I'd finished. Yeah. Yeah. And so I've, I'm, April. yep. And so I'm finished and I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing for the fall. Yeah. And then I get a phone call that says, you know, a dude dropped out. So you're in. That's and I'm awesome. like, no kidding. Okay. Yeah. And so I ended up at Notre Dame and just started asking question after question after question. And the regrettable thing with my education is 
my my lack of disciplined vocabulary and and I mean like real um, theory in terms of a, a, a general liberal arts education was so minimal yeah. that I was playing catch up. Yeah, so I felt hard. like that when I went to Texas too. And well, man. that's one of the things that happens again when you're only listening to one thing, and you if you grow up in kind of like yeah. a um you know, a one flavor kind of a, yeah. a community yeah. environment, then when you find yourself sort of like thrust into any sort of diversity or even just anything that's different, it can be very overwhelming. Yeah. No, I, I remember my first, my first three weeks there. I mean, every day I'd, I was writing down uh, any word that the professor said that I didn't understand. I'd write it down and look it up and write yeah. it down and look it up. And I was doing that I mean, the whole time I was there, but yeah. pre- mostly the first three weeks, like what on earth? I definitely had that exact same experience. Like my first like month in school out in Texas, uh-huh. I just was like, oh my gosh, I can't let anybody know like how behind I am, like how, <laughs> how much I'm like, what did, <laughs> like, did, did they did, let me in on purpose? I know. Right. Well, so, so did, <laughs> did, uh, your, did your skill or how talented you are, or what you said, did that, um, I guess remove the veil remove the disguise or were you able to cloak it well enough? You could, Oh yeah. Okay. Well, the because thing... my drawings exposed me. Yeah. No, I, was... I think the thing that happened to me was, this the reason that I got in is also the reason why I stayed in, but um, I decided to audition a full year in advance, and I practiced my audition pieces for a full year. Uh-huh. And I thought, of course, that's what you do if you're going to audition for one of the best schools in yeah. the world. But what I've since what, what learned, school? the University of North Texas, okay. it's like the world's oldest jazz studies program. Oh, okay. it's, it's in Texas, but it's it's an amazing music school. Uh-huh. Um, but what I've since learned is that most people choose their audition pieces like a few weeks in advance. So I I didn't know. I mean, I just thought this is normal. So I had been practicing those audition pieces for so long. So I think what they saw in the audition was like a little better. But most people's kind of like not hard work was like as good as my really hard work. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I just did the same thing when I got there and had this moment of like, oh, I'm slower than these people and I'm like behind. I just worked harder you than You just everybody. worked harder. <laughs> yeah. That's what you got. You just work and your butt off. I felt really Absolutely. imposter syndrome me about it for a while. And then I realized like that exact same thing is the reason why there are so many people who are more kind of talented than I am who are not doing music anymore. Right. And so I just feel like my kind of thing is like, I'm a, I'm a good workhorse, uh, and I'm a pretty creative workhorse. Yeah. I'm not the most like gifted. Right. You know, I'm no, that's exactly the same as yeah. me. Exactly the same as me. Yeah. But are you willing to work your, but I will work butt my butt off. off. Yeah. Yep. But you know, I, I got it as you're talking about jazz and stuff. I did go to new Orleans this year with some friends, uh, my wife and another couple, and we did go to preservation hall. Cool. And oh my gosh. And so I've always had a hard time listening to jazz because I yeah. mean, I just didn't get it until I experienced it. Mm-hmm. And when it's live in preservation hall in new Orleans, I was like, I get it now. This is awesome. It's, it's, it's a music that because it's improvisational, Yeah. it doesn't read the same way like recorded. I mean, it, no, it, it no, can not at all. if you already know that feeling, but seeing it live it's, definitely like it makes you kind of be like, Oh, I see what you're doing. Yeah. Like, oh, it, I get it. It's the different. Yeah. It's like, a, it's like a stage play and, yeah. and, and, and it's like, it's, you, you know, how these, I don't know what channels are putting on lives, you know, yeah. lives, 
stage plays on TV now. It's like, dude, it's just not the same. It is because, because there's a live, there's a relationship exactly between me and the, like watching, you know, a a musical on TV maybe reads if you've already seen it live, which is kind of how I feel about jazz recordings too. If you already know that feeling live, then you can get enough of it from a recording or from a video. But if you've never seen a play live, you're going to be like, excuse me, if you're seeing it on a video. Right. And I think jazz is like that too. Yeah. So, um, okay. Before we move on, um, you've said a couple of times, like you kind of felt like, like your, your, your purpose as a, as a creative, you've, you've kind of talked about it, but can you just like articulate it for me? Like what you feel like is your, <laughs> your like, I know purpose like, is kind of a big I word. Know, no, but no, like, it is. But, but if, if someone asked me, you know, what years did you ago, mean? So, so, um, when someone asks, if you would have asked me, you know, 10 years ago, what do you want to do with your life? The answer was a joke, but it was, it was like, I want to conquer the world. Okay. What do you mean? <laughs> but what, what on earth does that mean? Yeah. It's like, I, I want to bring something to this world that, that changes it. Yeah. And, and what's weird is it's not necessarily the, the change I want to bring to the world is knowledge. Because that, because I want to bring the knowledge that has been lost and help more or less usher in a new architectural renaissance. Mm. That's my purpose and cause. Because all of that knowledge was lost from about, you know, 480, 300 AD during the Middle Ages until the Renaissance when they went and excavated the Roman form, when they went and found the old writings, when they went and yeah. found all this stuff. And then what happened with the Renaissance? All of the cities that we love to go to right now got built, mm. and and right now growth is happening at such a pace in the Western United States and in sub and and in the South in North North South Carolina and Georgia that and Florida that what we are developing is so bad. Mm. So consequential, so, so consequentially yeah. bad that that what we what we don't realize is that here's how cities were made that are still viable, and oh. here here's how here's yeah. how they here's how they were made, and and here's why they were made, and here's the architecture in them that still makes them viable. Yeah, do you, you, can you be more specific, like about what like what do you mean by viable? Okay, what what I mean by viable is sustainable, and so. Um, if we look at the true, if the real grand idea of sustainable, it's like over over the lifespan, which is should be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds you mean of like years. The buildings as a something. don't fall the down. The buildings don't fall okay. down, and that's, and and not only that, yeah. but they are visually sustainable. Sure. And like so they don't, the, the trends don't, the trends don't, yeah. we, and so because we are so focused on trends and culturally we are so focused on trends and the mm-hmm. newest thing, blah, 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 that we've lost, uh, um, we've just lost the, the culture continuity of architectural design. And yeah. so I think that all of us, every medium is struggling with that right now. Every medium struggling. And so, yeah, every, every medium struggles with that. And 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 so in the area in the in the era of modernism and postmodernism architecture art everything the, the the rebels of the previous generation in architecture it was the Bauhaus from the Beaux Arts Academy 
they threw away the baby with the bathwater. Yeah. They threw it all away. And and when you throw it away, you leave for future generations nothing. M- messes. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. And so so what do you have left? All you have is is for we all have heard the phrase form follows function. Yeah. Prior to modernism and postmodernism yeah. and stuff, form didn't follow function. Mm. Form followed purpose. Okay, yeah. And purpose has a moral connotation to it, sure. which has to do with the larger civic whole, in which then architecture is necessarily the physical representation of the values of the civilization. Yeah. And so when when the physical buildings are 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 your value represent representatives, yeah. you does and and first of all, your civilization has to have kind of a coherent value system. Yeah. And that's what we don't have is yeah. and it keeps getting more and more fragmented muddled, yeah. and muddled. And so how can we even design anything that is good because we, we're just incapable of it because we don't have any values. And so yeah. the va- what are the values of of design in all traditional architecture, regardless of whether you're in Thailand, China, Japan, America, Mesoamerica, yeah. Egypt, or or all of Europe? Yeah. Order, hierarchy, um, simplified massing, proper use of materials, yeah. ornament and detail in the right places yeah. that actually mean something yeah. and aren't just straight arbitrary. Yeah symbolism within all of that stuff. Yeah. And and because the narratives were so consistent over hundreds of years, they were able to generate these things that were consistent with the values and narratives. Yeah. Whereas we have no narratives anymore right. because the previous generation to us, thanks previous generation, <laughs> threw it all away. Yeah. What um what do you think would be like ideal? I mean, like what what What's would you, ideal? what would you like to see? And so, so, so for me, for me, an ideal, an ideal city or civilization is, is one where, where cities, cities are made for people and not necessarily cars. Cars are the guests. People mm-hmm. are the primary mm-hmm. residents. Mm-hmm. What, what's difficult is, is because of, because of what a city is, it's, it's an economic order. It's a social order. It's a, um, a, a an environmental order of a physical order. And, and, and a, and a social order, right? It's all these things. Yeah. And, and, and when you s- say the word order, you don't mean like, you're not saying it like, you know, the order of the Phoenix kind no, of no, way. No, you're no, saying, I'm, I'm you saying like it, it's in it, order, like it's orderly. No, not, not, no, I, I am saying that, that in, in terms of just all what I it. I think of was Harry Potter. Oh, Harry Potter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like the it only is, thing that was. <laughs> it, it's an organization, a social organization. Okay, so a, you are meaning it like yes. the order of the Phoenix. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, like, but, but, but it's, it's, it's necessarily an organization because, because of politics, right? Okay. And po- politics really is like the, it's, it should be the art of living together. Yeah. And sometimes there's, there's contention, there's there's all this other stuff, but but it really is. Can we get along? So when you say you mean like there's like the politics of the environment. There's the po- when you say when you were listing like the order of uh-huh. all these things. Like I just want to understand. Do you, do you mean kind of like the the baggage of that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. It, it's it's all the baggage that comes with it, and okay. that, that you can't dispense. The policy, yes, the pr- you can't dispense with any of these things. Right. Right. They're all wrapped and, up in like all these rules and, and procedures. And that's why architecture is Bureaucracy. the most complex art. Okay. Is because in order to implement it, first of all, first of all, you have to have an economic system that even can can execute it. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Like, architecture is 
regulated in a way that like no no, no other art no is ar- regulated. No other art is no. That sucks, man. Oh, it sucks. I mean, I that's, hate that for I, you. <laughs> I, I I've done just a few commercial buildings. I, I primarily focus on residential and stuff, but I, I do commercial buildings. And, and the, the really lousy thing about commercial buildings is how much regulation there is. That yeah. the, the whole thing is one giant exercise and not getting sued. You yeah. know, it's like talk about killing your creativity when all you're doing is thumbing through a 500 page regulation code book, making sure all yeah. of your. I'm understanding this better. Crosses. And so part of the reason why, like, you know, houses are structured in this very, like, non. Uh, non-symbolic non you yes. know, like it, it's lost these principles are because it's, it's the it's the easiest way to satisfy those yes. rules yep that that is one of them and then the other one is straight economics it's cheap Be, it is cheap and and we like and we've done this to ourselves we yeah. like cheap convenient and efficient cheap convenient efficient those are the values that we espouse and yeah. our society reflects those values and so in terms of straight yeah. up authenticity our society is perfectly authentic walmart that's what we value. Costco, big box, power centers. That's what we value. That's pretty bleak. It is bleak. Ugh. And so that's my mission. Yeah, is tell to, me about it. Is to tell everyone, hey guys, this is what we value and we need to reconsider our values. What do you think they should be? What, what are your values? And so this is, this is harder to articulate. Yeah, I know. This is harder to articulate yeah. because it sounds, it sounds like so pie in the sky. You know, yeah. like, so it's okay. order, yeah, it's, it's back, it's back to beauty and because so-called beauties in the eye of the beholder, which is another invention of, um, kind of modernist stuff. Yeah. It's like, okay, guys, let, let's talk about what makes architecture timeless. And if we can substitute timeless for beautiful, let's do that yeah. because, because in all reality, that's what we're talking about. And if we can substitute, okay, timeless architecture is beautiful because that's the word I get most often is people are like, I want a timeless house. Give me a timeless house. Give me a timeless house. What they're really saying is I want a beautiful house, but because it's not politically correct to say beautiful, they, they feel obligated to say timeless. Mm, But if we can actually turn that conversation back into something that's like, okay, this is objectively beautiful. And here is why then we can begin to like, like with the skill, we can begin to critique things because in a completely arbitrary subjective world, you can't critique anything because there's nothing to critique. And so by default, we only critique based on engineering data that we get. And so rather than cities being a work of art, they are a work of engineering and Mm. that takes the soul out of the city. And we are in a mechanized soulless, efficient, cheap, easy thing because that's the ends of engineering. Yeah. It's to help. You, is this an American problem? No, no, not is not. This it's, it, it is happening everywhere. It's not just American. It's America led it. Thank yeah. you, America. America is awesome. <laughs> I love America. I absolutely do. I am a loyal patriot. But well, you know, we with flushed. the people and the things you love, you sometimes give negative. Uh, constructive criticism. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. America. No, I. I, I love you. Do better. I, yeah, when I I went to England last year, and 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 the suburbs of England are are just as in outside of London and stuff yeah. are just as like man, guys, look at the other stuff down here. Why couldn't it be more like this? Yeah. And I know there's there's um there's some places in England that are really trying to get better stuff. I went to New Zealand a couple years ago. You know, the suburbs. Re- and all sorts of stuff. I mean, same sort of weird crap is going up just really just, and so it's all cheap. I mean, Italy, same sort of thing, just really cheap, ugly suburbs. Yeah. And it's like, guys, what we've, we've lost the art of city building. Yeah. And, and, and it used to be, 
because there weren't cars. And I'm not saying get rid of cars because we need cars. We love our cars and we're going to keep our cars. Yeah. But, but it was an art of city building and whether it be in a grid or whatever, there's an art to it. And that's a whole nother podcast for another time because we could go on for yeah. hours and hours and hours. Can you but, say, sorry, go ahead. Uh, you know, ask a question. Can you say something uh, just to help me understand the difference between like home building and city building? Like what's the intersection of, it's the same thing. Okay. Because it's all based on the same thing. It's so an are art. You talking and so about like buildings or, or like, are you talking about like how we, it's construct like the society. proximity of like residential to yes okay all of it it's a giant it's 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 your worldview architecture once again is necessarily the 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 visual uh, physical representation of the values of the society interesting and so yeah, I like that if, idea if our worldview is this segregated efficient cost zoning by use stuff this we live in that world yeah and that world sucks yeah. It really does. And the consequences are catastrophic over time if you take yeah. this out 500 years. Yeah. It is bad. Yeah. Um, and, so, and so the worldview that produced the cities uh, that are timeless, meaning that they're put on a grid or set on a grid in a way that that city can flex over time. Mm -hmm. And so uh, just think about uh, old historic cities, right? Um, prior to car, you have your downtown with all of your shops, you have workers and stuff living above the shops, and then you have shop owners' houses right next to the streets downtown because they have to walk to their shops. Right, yeah. And so everything economic, the economic order is on a very small localized yeah. scale. They don't have these mass pro mass production like malls, malls yeah. and all that type of stuff. And so what that does is it localizes everything in such a manner that, 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 that everything is, um, is, is confined within a certain, um, walkable framework. Yeah. Transportation, I should say within a transportation framework that is walkable. Yeah. And the buildings reinforce the pedestrians relationship to the urban environment. Interesting. Meaning the proportions, the openings, the, how how the how the building um interacts with the person. What do you mean? What, I mean okay, what what I mean is the closer to the ground I am, or the the, the closer I am to a thing, oh, I see what you're saying. the closer I am yeah. to a thing, if I can touch it, yeah. what's the material made of? Is sure. it plastic or is it stone? I see what you're saying. And so it, like nowadays, maybe we have buildings that like look beautiful from far away, but when you're right up next to it, it's they suck. totally impersonal and right. gray. And, right. Yeah. And, and so, and so Cheap if, materials. right. And so what do we do with those buildings? We, dr we drive to them, yeah. get off, go through the front door and experience what's on the inside. Yeah, and don't respect them at all. And we yeah. don't respect them at all. And so if my building is garbage from my, a pedestrian standpoint, because it's made of plastic or engineered materials and all mm -hmm. this other stuff, and it's not made of natural materials mm -hmm. because that connection with nature is incredibly important. Yeah. And natural materials have an organic thing. They, they come from nature, they get composed, then they go back to nature as they deteriorate. Yeah. And so it's all about this, this, this connection to our essence as who we are. Yeah. And as we take out the essence and engineer materials and they become fake and just sterile, yeah. the only way they maintain their validity is if they are re retain their perfection. Yeah. And if they get dinged or anything else yeah. like that, they lose their perfection, lose their, their, their appeal. Yeah. And they just look terrible as they That's age. So true. Yeah. And that is why natural materials always age better than engineered materials yeah. because they're returning back to their natural condition. Mm -hmm. Even deteriorating wood looks better than, um, a, uh, a, a, what's the, um, 
those those composite um, treks decking type yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A natural yeah. a natural wood will it still will, looks it looks pretty as it as it ages. Yeah, interesting. And and so my experience as a pedestrian as I'm walking down a street has a lot has more to do with materials than it has to do with anything else. Mm. And if those materials are 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 natural and then composed in a way that give me some sort of um, engagement, yeah, engagement to yeah. be able to read the city in a way that orders it in a yeah. way that I can read it, and so I yeah. and so it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Then then all of a sudden. I, I, I really partic- I'm really yeah. participating. Whereas now we drive to a parking lot, we walk into a door, we engage there yeah. and then walk back to our car and back out. Even just like so few kind of industrial buildings have any windows, like from the outside, and, there's no, yeah. And, 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 and so and, en- there's no engagement from the outside, even in the simple fact that there's no windows and any signage is like up so high. Yeah. 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 You have no sense of what it is that you're walking by. I'll, I'll, and, 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 and we, sh- I, you know, and what's an industrial thing or not an industrial thing and where should they be? Not they be, uh, it's, it's, it's a really weird, um, like, like question. I, I remember, I remember walking on the street in Chicago and, and even though none of us would want to live in this scenario, there are conditions in which it might be permissible. Right. And so you have, um, large houses, the next block over it's slightly smaller houses and then kind of more type of tract houses. But even those tract houses that were made hundred, 150 years ago still have had a dignity to them. They were made of natural materials and, and they had some sort of architect. Yeah. Ornamented. Well, they were ornamented and had some sort of architectural order to it. Yeah. Um, and like a personality. Yes. Is that what you mean? Like yes. this order is it has, made, like, it has a, has a soul. A soul. It yeah. has a soul. It's so funny. I was going to say that yes. word too. Exactly. Yeah. And so when you, when you engineer the soul out of it, meaning used engineered materials yeah. and you don't compose it to be yeah. beautiful, it, it, it feels soulless. But next yeah. to this, next to this, there was an, in, there was a, um, a, a warehouse that was the size of a block, but it wasn't too tall. And the order of the facade was this, a bunch of brick arches with some, with some clear story windows. And it was like, it perfectly went in harmony with the neighborhood. It's like it has a story. Like it gives you, like when you see it, whether or not you have the vocabulary, you, you kind of have a sense of like how old it is, what kind of people made it, what kind of stuff has been going on there. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Interesting. Um, I want to ask you how you feel about like your profession how do you relate to like other architects do other architects agree with you by and large or do most, you feel like you're always most, on the soapbox if you're a graduate of notre dame you agree with me sure if you are not a graduate of notre dame the way you have been educated is is you are taught to believe here's what you're taught to believe is is if you copy a style meaning classical tradition and yeah. so they look in terms of styles and if yeah. you copy a style it's morally wrong and so everything that i do from Every other architect's standpoint is is morally wrong. Yeah, and I don't see it that way. I see here are the essential principles of timeless design. Yeah, and and they are best exemplified in in pretty much anything prior to 1920, regardless of the culture. Yeah. Well, having newness as like your moral value is pretty risky. Oh, it's not only it's just stupid. Yeah, it's absolutely stupid. If the avant garde is the ultimate ends. I'm like, wow. So you're going to keep reinventing language. It's like, okay, if we're sitting here having a conversation, what on earth could we even talk about? If you're speaking something different than I am, it's Amen. a joke. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, we musicians talk about this a lot as well really? I mean, because there's similar principles, you know, like there's yeah. Baroque architecture and there's Baroque music. Um, 
but uh, yeah, I think the, the kind of stuff that just kind of I'm the most excited about is like I in music and maybe in art. I don't know if I've thought about this with architecture, but I'm into fusion, like take several old classic styles and like how can they. Um, sure. And that is the and, and architecturally, that is the, the end of the 19th century mm. because they took. I mean, you have the craziest, most creative stuff where people have traveled enough, architects have traveled enough, and you and they are mixing style upon style upon style yeah. upon style within the context of the fundamental principles of right. order hierarchy massing, all the stuff that they were just like, it, wow, it's that's creative. Because all of these things are rooted in the same principles. In the same principle, so it and works. And then you can, yeah, that's Absolutely. Do you, okay, so the last thing I want to kind of talk about uh, it, the last thing I want to talk about is like identity, your identity, how your identity like interfaces with your profession. Um, so maybe like before we, and I, I imagine that will just be five or 10 minutes. Um, is there anything else you want to tell us about, um, your, like your business, like, um, you know, anything else you want to say about like the things that you make or the things that you like or uh, yeah, sure. say about being let's, a business let's, owner. Yeah, let's, let's do that because, because one of the, one of the things that, um, because I've talked so much of traditional stuff, these principles sort of tie into modernist architecture too in the mid-century stuff. And so there's a lot of people who love modern stuff and in all honesty, um, for the last year, all I've done is modern architecture. Cool. And so I haven't done traditional stuff because all of my clients want a modern stuff. Yeah. And so I do what my clients want, but I, but I take these fundamental principles and I'm, and I apply them Good to modern architecture, thoughtful ornamentation and, and that type of stuff. So, um, with, uh, so the difficulty is, is, is trends. Yeah. Um, and, and not being too trendy. Yeah. Um, but, but wow. What, I mean, really, what do I want to tell? Um, I, I don't want to, I don't want to say that the only thing anyone should ever do ever is, um, some sort of traditional something yeah. because I don't agree with that. What I agree with is here's the fundamental principles that I've discovered that are consistent within all timeless architecture, mm -hmm. regardless of its style. And if we can talk about stuff, not in terms of style, but in terms of principles, yeah. then we can actually have a much more productive conversation. Yeah. And so in terms of what I do, I, I, I do love what I do and I love the people that I work with and, and being able to create things that, um, it, it's, it's always, it's always amazing to me. It never ceases to be amazing when you come up with something in your head and then a year and a half later, there it is. Yeah. It's like, holy cow. That's pretty cool. It yeah, I mean, I get really that feeling cool. when I like, you know, record a new song, but like to have a whole building, that's pretty. It's that's, pretty cool. That's got to be something. Yep. Is there anything you want to say about like being a business owner? Oh, heavens. I'm the worst business. I'm an artist. Business owners, you're not a no, business. You suck at business if you're a true artist, yeah, <laughs> typically. We talk, we talk about this a lot. I mean, I think that the hack for it is like you make your business creative. You know, you you take a creative approach to like running your business. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I, I don't want to... Uh, I, I let my bookkeeper handle the books. Yeah, I don't want to know anything with it. I mean, that's great. Like, with that's it. being just, a good business owner, uh, delegating. Yeah, I want... I, I want, I, I, yeah, the, the, I hate running a business. You know, yeah. it's, it's weird because I wanted to be that. I, when I first got married, my brother-in-law, who's a builder, he's like, Clayton, you're either an artist or a, or a, or a business man. You're not both. And I'm like, I'm going to be both. I'm going to prove you wrong. 10 years later, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm an artist. <laughs> I kind of feel like you, I can't, 
I mean, I'm 31, so like I have limited experience, but I kind of feel like maybe it's hard to be both at the same time, but maybe you kind of, this year yeah. I'm a business person and this year I'm an artist. Yeah, no, I, 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 I'm, I'm a business person because of the necessity of earning money. Right. right. Like you have and to do business in order I, to do art. Right. I, I absolutely have to. And so because I am my own patron, yeah, I have to work my butt off in business and be yeah. a fairly decent business person so yeah. I can patronize my own creative outlets. Do most architects, I mean, and I know it's like, it's very general. So not the Notre Dame guys, because that's, that's not most. No. The vast majority of architects, do you think they consider themselves artists? I, I would say, yeah. It, it's weird because architects, you come from two different fields. You come from an engineering kind of thought right. process, or you come from an, a creative process, an yeah. art. Pro- and and so it, it encompasses the whole breadth. And I am f- so far on the art um, yeah. kind of genre. I have some good friends. Honestly, what, one of the other architects in Heber, Heber City, where's, where my office is, who yeah. does a great job. He Heber really so does. Beautiful. Yeah, he, he does. I, I, he does a great job. He comes from, he was an engineer before he was an architect. Mm. And, and so it's like, you know, you can come from all sorts of different backgrounds and, um, and, and if you're, and if you're okay, so-called copying styles, mm. quote unquote, you're going to produce some Really great stuff yeah. because if it's it's like if if you're not some sort of crazy super genius in in any of your art creative endeavors, if you learn a language of of your um, um, creative field, and you can really become proficient within that language, you're going to produce good stuff. Yeah, you won't be a, a genius, but you will have a measure of distinction. That yeah. That that says you did a good job. The execution is going to be nice. Great. Yeah. Nice job, and mm-hmm. and and that in all reality is most of us. Yeah. And I don't uh, think there's yeah. And there's nothing wrong with being part of most of us. Yeah. Totally. I totally agree. I mean, again, there's this mystique around artists that is, I think, very unnecessary. We're just people doing things, but I do think that that kind of those labels do matter to us and they, they matter to how we see ourselves. They matter to how other people see us. And it's something that I think is kind of like dirty to talk about. Don't it want is. to talk about it. I want to, I, I do. I want to say something. Okay. Go the, for the, it. This is artist. This is, this is hilarious. And this is the problem with art, the whole art world. Yeah. Music, everybody. Yeah. It, there's a documentary out there on Meow Wolf. Do you know what Meow Wolf is? No. It's it's an art commune in Santa Fe, New Mexico, where all of the renegade artists all got together mm. and and decided, let's start, let's just rent a building and we're gonna do the most abstract art, whatever you want to do. It is inhibition free. Do you do whatever you want to do? Which I always think is a terrible idea. Yeah. But as you're watching this documentary, I watched it on a plane one time and I just started laughing because the whole premise of their entire system of art was a, was a complete lack of order. It was pure chaos. It was avant-garde chaos. Anything goes. And then when they actually figured out, huh, we actually have to make this viable Huh, maybe we should get people in here to look at this and experience it. All of a sudden they realized in their organ they had to organize. Yeah. They couldn't stay chaotic. Yeah. In order to do anything and and be a productive member of society, they had to organize. And in organizations come hierarchy. Mm. 
And in, and then it, and artists hate that, particularly if you're trained to be a rebel and yeah. and outside, you know, and do something yeah. avant garde. Yeah. And and then and then it's and then they and then as they're trying to turn it into a business, it's like guys, you just completely and they and they fully admitted this in yeah. in in the documentary. It's like you you just you've just proven that that fundamental worldview and method of existence doesn't work. Yeah. It's absolutely impossible. Yeah. And so, and that doesn't just translate from into just organizations and business. That is art and everything else. It is the way nature is composed. It is not chaos. Yeah. There is an order to the whole thing, even though yeah. it may look like chaos. Sure. Yeah. I think and there is a hierarchy. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So I want to talk Sorry. about like these identity <laughs> things. No, I, 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 I mean, the, I, I feel like we, we have all of these thoughts about our, about what we do and about like, and we, we hardly ever get a, a platform to like, just say like, what are the things that you're like on one about? So I'm into it. Um, yeah. I want to ask about like, so these are totally leading questions. Um, when you talk to people, like when you meet someone new, let's yeah. say it's not a client, it's just like someone else, another person. And they, when they find out you're an architect, um, can you, do you like read a perception of whether they think you're an artist or whether they see you more like a lawyer or something? Um, I try to play both. And so in, in terms of how I talk to them, I try to talk to them as absolutely professional as absolutely possible. Well, but I, mean, I also like, have just, a piece of I mean, paper. people who aren't clients. Like just, oh, who aren't clients? Yeah. I just oh, mean, I have like, no idea how they see me. You don't have a read. Man, I don't. I've do never, you care I've never about even, that? I've never even thought about that. You know, like, I how think I'm just wondering if it's me? important to your sense of identity that you, um, like, what does you know, it mean just, to you to like be an artist? Funny. Like, how does that feel? You know, I... I mean, the reason I ask is like we talked about at the beginning, you know, I think so many of us that are in art mediums kind of dread telling people what we do because they are so rude about it. You yeah. know, yeah, they yeah, say yeah. like, sure. really? Or like, well, how do you make money? Or, uh, you know, good luck with that. They're so rude. Um, and I just am, I'm just wondering, like, I mean, I think probably the fact that you haven't thought about that is telling <laughs> <laughs> I, you, you have to eventually develop some incredibly thick skin, right? Yeah. You have to have really thick well, skin. And I think you do have to kind of think like, cause I think the opposite is also true. Like, you know, you want people to like, you want people to see you the way that you see you, I think more, more or less of the time. Man, I don't. Yeah. Like I said, I've been through a lot of therapy in my life, Yeah, same. <laughs> a lot of therapy. And so, so now I, I, the, in terms of how other people see me, yeah, I don't even think about it because that was a really important thing through my therapy that I actually went yeah. through was, um, there was a girl that walked out and my therapist said, Hey, what do you think about that girl? And he, and I, I'm like, I didn't think about it at all. And it finally clicked. If I didn't think about her, she yeah. didn't think about me. And so the only thing I'm thinking about me is what I think other people are thinking about me, yeah. but no one's actually thinking about me. So in the end, it doesn't actually matter. Yeah. Unless it's like a mirror, you know, unless it's like, it's telling you something about how you and think about that, you, which, that's is, important. which is really what I'm wondering. So, um, you know, the podcast is called artifice yeah. because at the end of the day, like we talk about all these things building up. And then the, the last thing I want to kind of talk about is like, you know, 
like like we've been saying in order to be a good artist you have to like you can't just do whatever you want there has to be some like order and and is that and is that authentic is it artificial um Sistine Chapel and Michelangelo that wasn't what he wanted sure that and then I also think like there's maybe this other part of it which is like this vulnerability and like exposure and like how much of yourself goes in your art what's vulnerable about it does your art allow you to express parts of yourself that you can't express other ways is your art all of you are you all of your art just kind of yeah. this intersection between yeah, like yeah, the yeah, things yeah. you make and the things you are I, do you have thoughts about that yeah I I think it's very broad uh, it is very broad but I I think for all of us um if there is a particular creative endeavor that you, uh, let's say an art endeavor um, that you really want to engage in, that you don't need to make a profession, engage in it, because you will be happier and more fulfilled. And happiness isn't, I think, the end goal in life. I think being fulfilled and leaving, li- living a meaningful life is is more valuable. Yeah. And And so if that helps you fulfill or live a more meaningful life to be able to engage in this art pursuit, do it. And don't feel like you have to sell it or... Um, or conform it to any other thing you, because you don't have to, if, if you don't have to. Right. Which is like that same thing of like those artists in New Mexico, like at some, those people at some point have to like make it palatable. Yeah. Um, Eventually so, you have to eat yeah. because we are not going to create a welfare state for Which artists to be able to do whatever the crap they want to do. I want to ask these artifice questions to professional artists and not hobbyist artists because these are questions that we have to ask. You know, there we 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 all have to think about it. You know, like, and you maybe make the decision so, to like do something unpopular, but that's a decision. And and in the end, you. You have to make money so you do what people want, but you have to change people's minds. Mm. And so it's education and changing people's minds. And and collect. you're only going to... I think the best example of this in terms of architecture is public buildings mm-hmm. because it's a city that's, that's paying for it. And so it's a community. Yeah. And once again, it's a, rep, a physical representation of the values, the blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And so you get these avant-garde really like libraries. hideous yeah. hideous yeah. <laughs> garbage yeah. because there's virtually no budget there's oh, I see you know what saying. i'm saying yeah. and well, so i also feel like i've seen it the other way like the coolest building in the city is the li- the public library like which which city well, I or, mean, I grew up in Mesa, Arizona, and like oh, the library is like yeah, I don't know, and I'm not the, I don't know, like the one. Salt Lake Library is kind of cool. It's cool, yeah. And listen to the word you described to describe it, or the, your adjective. It's cool, yeah. Well, you didn't use beautiful, you didn't use timeless, yeah. You didn't use cl- classic, sure. You didn't use any of those, and so to have an, an art like like a sculpture and or mm. and or painting and or music is different than architecture because architecture has embodied energy it has um uh, it, uh, it's it is in a physical space and it's a public art mm. it's not a private art it's a public mm. art and so because architecture is is so much stuff that's it's not it's it has so much stuff into it that we really do need to reconsider um, whether cool is a proper aim. Okay, yeah. 
because cool is not timeless. It's trendy. Yeah. And yeah, then, yeah. and so if we continue to build our buildings to be cool and, and those cool buildings are only cool for 30 to 45, 50 mm-hmm. years, yeah. that is not sustainable. Yeah. And if this crazy country and world is so concerned about sustainability and they have, and they refuse to, to actually bring up visual sustainability in the conversation. It's all hypocritical. Mm -hmm. It's completely hypocritical. And, and I find no like value in any of these green architecture, um, premises. Interesting. Yeah. Because, I, I because they, saying. because they are not sustainable yeah, and they I mean, are like not they're green. sustainable in terms of energy. But if you're, if you're going to feel the need to knock it down in 50 years, cause it's ugly but, and you will it feel the need yeah, it, it, when it's saying. not sustainable. And then people yeah. talk about recycling buildings and recycling materials. It's like, come on people, really? We're going to waste that much energy in, yeah. in, in, in putting up a building, tearing it down, recycling it, putting it back up again. Yeah. It's like, come on. Yeah. It's like yeah. so disingenuous. It's ridiculous. I totally, I totally see what you're saying. Um, is there anything else you want to say about this conversation in terms of like, man, I sound these... like an angry architect right now. I'm sorry. I'm actually a really happy guy. Everyone. I believe you. <laughs> I mean, you're passionate about it and you want to tell people, I think that's great. Um, yeah. As we're, I have like a final, like fun question that I ask everybody. Is yeah. there anything you want to say before that? Is there anything else you want to kind of just no. like, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Great. We've we've covered the gamut for my brain for now. Okay. Awesome. So my, my last question is what's your dream project or your dream collaboration? (gasps) My dream project. I do have a dream project. I've always had a dream project because I love the theater. I I want, I want to design. I I, I think the most creative, most fun buildings because they're theaters are historical theaters. Well, Frank Lloyd Wright built the, the like Gamage theater in Arizona where I grew up. They have Um, the most... Like the the big Broadway theater, yeah, creative. I and and so I stage acted for a while for a few years, loved it, and I and I I love I love live theater, love it, and and if I could create a concert hall, design a concert hall live theater, uh, something like that, that cool. would be my ultimate favorite project. Then I could be like, I'm done. That's great. I love it. Okay, where can our list, my listeners find you on the internet and website. So and you can find me at claytonvance.com. That's just my website, my own personal website. It's uh, always in development. Then I've, and your, I, is your blog there? Um, there's part, partly there. And I'm, this is fairly new in development and I've committed myself to actually developing this year, I hired a videographer and stuff. And so we're starting to create videos and things. Sweet. And, and that is on timelesshomes.org. Timelesshomes.org okay. um, is, is um, my, uh, soapbox (laughs) where, where you can go to learn about the principles that make timeless homes. And they are the same principles that make timeless music, timeless art, timeless cities, and timeless relationships. Great. Um, and you think you're starting a podcast maybe? Yeah, there's three up right now. We just did one yesterday and we'll do another one next week. I'm going to try to keep releasing them once a week. There's, um, yeah, there's, there's so much to do. What's it called? Um, right now it's just timeless homes, timeless homes. Okay, and great. I don't know what it's on. My guy just told me yesterday he put it on this podcast, that podcast, Spotify and some other things, but it's, I don't remember. It's probably what it on was. Apple podcasts. Yeah, and I have no SoundCloud. idea, but I think it's called the timeless homes podcast Okay, great. and timelesshomes.org. And yeah, you can get to know me better. Great. That's awesome. Thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. It has been a pleasure to it's talk with you. You're welcome. See ya. Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our music is by Jerem Hansen and artwork by Savannah Kiniston. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, please send me a note through my website, emvocals.com. 
And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week. Thank you.